0: After the Apocalypse, a pandemic survival story, Season 1, Episode 9, Bill the Dog. Bill the Dog watched the old man cooking over a low fire at the edge of a swamp. It wasn't a fire that humans would likely see or smell, but a dog's nose was different. Bill had picked up the scent of cooking game and followed it. It was an overcast fall day. The days were noticeably cooler, and most of the leaves had been blown from the trees with the approach of winter. Bill lay concealed in the underbrush and leaves, silent, watching, curious. The old man's dinner wasn't the only scent in the breeze. There was, as always, the background smell of smoke and death that seemed to permeate the apocalypse. But there was something else, too. There was the smell of other dogs. The old man squatted next to the small fire, cooking a rabbit he had snared. He kept the fire low to keep from attracting any unwanted attention from other survivors. He had spent enough time in the great outdoors to know how to build and manage a discreet cooking fire, and enough time in the apocalypse to know the value of discretion. The place he had chosen was a low spot, off the road and sheltered. The ground where he built his fire was protected on one side by a large swamp. With his back against the swamp, he couldn't be surprised or flanked. No one was going to come from that direction easily without him knowing it. At least, that was his plan. He was trying to be more cautious, given his recent brushes with personal extinction, trying to use whatever knowledge and skill he possessed to avoid those interactions. The old man mused. Most modern humans tended to avoid swamps, but that hadn't always been the case. Marshes and swamps could be powerful raid-outs for those practicing the refugee lifestyle. He thought of the Marsh Arabs living an isolated and protective life in the swamps of Mesopotamia for hundreds of years until eventually Saddam Hussein and the Iraqi government had driven them out. Even then, they were forced to drain the marshes to get the Marsh Arabs to resettle. Or, more famously, Alfred the Great, Leading a successful campaign to retake Wessex and then all of England from the marsh islands of Athelney. The Norse had him on the ropes but couldn't finish him. They drove him into the swamp and left him for dead. From that island in the swamp, Alfred had rallied the Anglo Saxons of Somerset and Wessex to heroically drive the great heathen army out of England. Or. "'So went the tale. "'All that from a swamp. "'Maybe over a thousand years ago, "'Alfred squatted over a low-fire cooking game,' "'the old man thought. "'He looked around, making sure he was still alone. "'There might not be marauding Vikings, "'but there were plenty of plunderers in the apocalypse "'that would not hesitate to kill him for his food.' "'The old man sliced the cooking meat with his long knife. "'It sizzled a bit over the open flame. "'Almost ready. "'A noise made him start. "'The crunching of leaves or the breaking of sticks underfoot. "'He sensed it. "'Something stood out from the background, noises of nature. "'He was not alone.' He scanned the tree line for the source of the disturbance and saw a dog crouching in the shadow of an oak tree. "'Hey, boy,' the old man called out, "'what you doing?' There were a lot of dogs wandering in the apocalypse, their masters having been felled by the disease. They now roamed this dead world just looking to survive. The old man wondered if dogs were susceptible to the virus." "'Probably not. "'At least not until it ran out of human hosts "'and mutated again. "'The dog was a nondescript brownish mud of some sort. "'Big jaws. "'Probably some pit bull in it. "'It stared at the old man in his fire, "'but did not moved from its crouch. "'The old man probably wouldn't have noticed the second dog "'if it wasn't for his defensive position "'hard up against the edge of the swamp. "'This dog, the second one, was slowly moving in on him from the side. The old man recognized that these dogs were not here for belly rubs and a quick game of fetch. He tensed in his crouch, looking around for something he could ward them off with. Grabbing a good-sized stick that lay nearby, he rose and turned to face his new visitor. This one was bigger, with a matted, mottled fur from roving too long outside in the weather. It growled, low and angry. His face and head were scarred with scabby gashes, tooth or claw marked from some recent fight. The old man had experienced dog packs before in his travels. One dog wasn't typically a problem. Two or more dogs were a pack. And packs had a different philosophy. Packs hunted. He'd seen this or versions of it in his life. Canids would look to surround a man and attack Once one could grab an arm or a leg, they would all pile on. The unlucky victims of dog packs were torn to pieces bit by bit until they bled out or died from shock. Two or more dogs appeared from the edge of the brush and moved menacingly around him. Trying to find the blind spot to attack, the old man picked up a handful of gravel and flung it at the leader, shouting and brandishing his stick threateningly. The lead dog sidestepped the volley and lunged, growling. The old man swung his stick at it. Another made a lunge from behind. The old man spun and parried with the point of the stick. The dog grabbed and snapped at the offered stick, mindless and feral. The old man was talking to himself as he backed down the bank into the swamp. "'Keep them in front of you. Let them have their rabbit. Maybe they'll go away.' But the pack pursued him, step by step, heads low, bodies tensed to spring at any opening. The animal madness of the pack. They were above him on the bank now, spread out to get the best angles. He backed down slowly into the marsh, Warm, muddy water bathing his feet as he felt around for solid ground to stand on. They kept coming. The pack was patient. They would pursue him until he made a mistake. Step by muddy step, the old man continued backing carefully into the swamp, water and mud up to his knees, feeling the bottom with his feet. The pack hesitated at the water's edge, but then bounded in as one with splashing leaps but the change in territory seemed to take some of the enthusiasm out of their pursuit.' They picked their way through the mud carefully with eyes on the old man. The old man looked around quickly. He couldn't indefinitely wade into the swamp. He needed to find a defensive position. He continued to back across the muddy water, angling toward a sort of a hummock, or small hump island, not more than a couple feet across, covered with tangled brush and a small tree. If he could just put his back against that tree, he might be able to hold them off. Backing up onto the hummock, He slipped, and the lead dog plunged again. He managed to regain enough footing to brandish the stick and make it back off. The old man scooched with his elbow up under the hummock and used the small tree to lever himself back into a standing crouch. The dog surrounded him and circled. There was a flash and a splash to his right, and he felt the pain in his leg as the dog bit. He screamed, "'Mother!' and brought the stick down violently on the dog's head and shoulders, hard enough for the stick to break." The dog yelped and released its hold. The old man was in full-on panic mode now. The adrenaline was coursing through his body, and his heart was pounding. He may have growled himself. They are on him close now, snapping at anything within reach. He swung the half-stick like a club, wildly back and forth, shouting and kicking. "'Get off me!' he screamed. "'No! And down!' And, as he desperately cast about to survive, his inner narrative was considering that this might be the end, torn to pieces by a pack of feral dogs in a swamp. Couldn't end as any, he thought. These dogs were about to add him to the great pile of bones that was humanity's legacy. Dogs. Bones. There was some sort of joke in there. He was tiring, and he knew it breathing hard, heart-racing, desperate. There were four of them. He couldn't keep it up. Just as he was threatening with one more weak swing of his makeshift club, the dogs froze, heads cocked. That weird still-picture moment that affects dogs when something enters their doggy radar. The old man watched as a large, curly-haired dog bounded down the bank out into the swamp. This was a big dog, head and shoulders above the pack. He saw it coming and thought, "Uh uh-oh, here come the reserves to clean up. But the curly one didn't go for the old man. Instead, he exploded into the pack like a bowling ball into set pins, like a whirling dervish, a blur of fur and teeth. The pack was confused and lost cohesion as it was interrupted in its hunt by this party crasher. The big, curly newcomer isolated one of the smaller brown dogs with a leaping splash pinned it down with its big paws and tore into its face. The brown dog squealed away, breaking free with a bloody ear hanging loose. Curly dog turned to face the others with blood dripping from its bare teeth, ears pinned back, shoulder muscles twitching with anticipation and began to advance. The larger pack dog considered the option to fight, but apparently didn't like the math. It slunk away with its allies toward dry land, backing out of the swamp the way they came. Heads low and growling the whole way, the big curly-haired dog stood tall with its back towards the old man and watched the pack leave. He took one or two menacing steps and barked when they appeared to slow their retreat. They got the message and kept going. The big curly-haired dog sat with a plop in the shallows and dropped his shaggy head to take a drink of muddy water. He stood again and shook the water from his coat. He turned to the old man with a cocked head and an aw shucks look. He kicked a few handfuls of muddy water with his back paws and stain in the direction of the retreating curs. The old man was slightly in shock. He did not know how to take this new visitor, this apparition. What just happened? The old man tentatively held out a shaking hand and said something dumb good boy tentatively it was all he could muster as the adrenaline drained from his brain the big curly haired dog cocked his head again and sniffed the offered hand he wagged his peacock tail and advanced happily to lay his big head against the old man's thigh the old man cradled the big head in his shaking hands good boy he said again with more conviction now Thanks for that. I appreciate the help. The big, curly head nuzzled closer. The old man lifted the big head in his hands while scratching behind the ears and inspecting his new friend. We gotta get you some flea and tick meds, big guy. Maybe a hairbrush. Looking suspiciously at the curly mane, the old man reconsidered. Well... Maybe not a hairbrush, but let's get out of this mud and see if we can save that rabbit.
1: Hello from the snowy hills of New England. This is Chris, your producer. So do you like Bill? Bill the dog. Bill the dog is my favorite character, but I'm a dog guy. I mean, if you're going to have a friend in the apocalypse, it should be a dog, right? This week I have a couple of stories for you. The first one is about an apocalypse novel, On the Beach, written by Neville Shute a great name, Neville Shute, and published in 1957, and it was also a big-budget movie starring Gregory Peck and Ava Gardner in 1959. So the setting for this story is the aftermath of a nuclear war that has killed everything and everyone in the Northern Hemisphere, and these folks are stuck in Australia. They're still alive, but they're living on borrowed time because this big fallout cloud is being pushed their way by the air currents. So anyhow, I was given this book to read in prep school, in high school, for a course that was called Nukes and Commies that was about the Cold War. And part of the classwork for this course was a student debate where we took either the American or the Russian side of the argument. And by the way, I took the Russian side and I lost. But the prize for winning this debate was called the Frenzied Sex Award. Stay with me. Stay with me. So the joke here was that on the cover, the dust cover, of the paperback version of this book, On the Beach, the description says that the survivors, and I'm paraphrasing here because I can't find a picture of it, but it basically said they drank a lot and had frenzied sex as they waited to die. Whereas in reality, it was written in the 50s. There's no sex in this book at all. But that's another story. And another apocalypse trope that this novel used was the mysterious radio signals. You know this trope. Where there's a radio signal coming out of the dead zone. And everyone everyone says, oh, they're survivors. They hope it's survivors. But it always turns out to be, you know, a tangled zombie or the wind tugging on the cable. Right? The mysterious radio signal trope. So my second story to take you out today is about a more recent apocalyptic novel by Cormac McCarthy. Yes, The Road. And I remember sitting, very distinctly, sitting in the departure lounge in Logan Airport. I think it was Terminal A. That's Logan Airport in Boston. And I was reading the art section of the Boston Sunday Globe. You know, waiting for a flight, reading whatever was to hand. And in the books section, there was a review of On the Road. And I thought to myself, this is my kind of book. I'm going to get a copy. So, oh my God, what a well-written book. So good. And that's the magic right there. When you get a good apocalypse story, that's also written well in powerful prose. That's like winning the lottery, right? That's like the winning lottery ticket. And they also made this one into a movie. I think twice, and it wasn't bad the first time. I haven't seen the second one, but the book is wonderful. So my friends, my apocalypse survivors, thank you for listening. And I'm switching to a two-week release cadence now. We've got good uptake, close to probably over a thousand listeners from around the world at the end of our first month, but I still really need your help. Please, please, please like the show, tell a few friends, write a review. And also, I could really use some support on Patreon. I can keep this up for a while, but not indefinitely. I need some help with the cash flow to keep the quality up. Just go to patreon.com forward slash after the apocalypse and do that thing. So until next time, keep surviving.